cozy. Should we go for a walk? I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. How are you doing, podcasts? Adam Buxton here. Welcome to episode number 100. And, well, it's more or less business as usual. Myself and Rosie are taking a walk on a sunny Friday evening out here in the countryside of Norfolk in the east of England. And it's turned into a very nice evening. It was a little muggy earlier on. I'm not going to lie to you. I know, it's worrying and shocking, but there it is. On the upside, though, it seems to be festival time for the insect community, who are thriving in this weather and, I would say, pretty much rule the house at the moment. Everywhere I go, I'm walking through spiders' webs just trying to pick them out from my hair and my beard the whole time. And as for the flies, whoa. If anyone needs flies, give us a shout. They're all in our kitchen. I think it's because we live near a stream and also there's a lot of cows in the fields around us and I feel as if we get more fly action in Castle Buckles when the cows are out. But maybe some of you will be saying, no, it's nothing to do with the cows. Don't try and bring the cows down, Buckles. It's you and your filthy kitchen that the flies love. Well, that's a bit harsh on me, my wife, and the rest of the kitchen cleaning team. But uh, it might be true. But look, let's get to it, shall we? Episode number 100 as you well know, features a stupid and rambly conversation with writer and director Joe Cornish and journalist and documentarian Louis Theroux, both of whom I have known since we met at school, aged 13. We got together at Joe's house in South London earlier this year, 2019, and as this is a special anniversary episode, we talked about this podcast as well as Louis' appearance on Desert Island Discs, School Days, the most recent remake of A Star is Born. Spoiler alert, key plot details are revealed in this conversation. So if that's going to upset you, leave it for another time. And towards the end, we listened back to a tape of the three of us, aged 18, doing David Bowie impressions and... That recording will give you an idea of how not very far we've come since then. Speaking of David, there is even a new Song Wars-style Bowie song from Joe created specially for the 100th episode. I didn't expect it. It was a lovely surprise that Joe unveiled at the end of our rambly convo. Back at the end for more bits and pieces, but right now, without further ado, here we go. (laughs) 
Okay, you ready? I'm going to harmonise. Happy birthday to you. When are you going to harmonise? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to tune up? Yeah, I do. Start again. Okay, this is this uh, is the note. Just I'm give me a hit. note. Happy. Ha- Wait, I've got some orange pith in my mouth. Ha- ha- happy, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Animal Podcast. Happy birthday to you. Hey, that's like a barbershop trio. Congratulations. Thank you so much, man. What an amazing occasion. What an amazing achievement. I made it to a hundred. I've never done a hundred of anything. In how many years would that be? It's about four years. Four years started in late 2015. What's the best episode? Uh, the best one, Joe wants to know. Besties. And besties worsties. and worsties. Obviously, I'm not going to say worsties. But besties depends who you ask. Are they like your children, and you can't choose one over another? Exactly right. Also, but you have a favourite child. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no, well, as it is with children, definitely there could be an easiest child. So if someone asked you on a bad day which is your favourite, then you would say, well, that one, because they're always so easy. But of course, they, they all mean something very, very unique, and you would be completely lost without any of them. And that's how I feel about every episode of the podcast, except some of them are boring. And some, some are better some than others. Some of them are a bit boring. Some of them are better than others. Some, of them some are don't really, work. Really good. Some just don't work. Sometimes you <laughs> met someone who you worship, yeah. and it was a bit disappointing. That's actually And you true, were a bit it? uptight and nervous. Okay, here's an example of one that I totally misread at the time and felt weird about. Johnny Marr. So I interviewed Johnny Marr, went to Manchester. Went to That's a good studio. one. People like that one. Exactly. But I came out of it feeling like I'd dropped the ball. And I hadn't done a good job with him. I'm not a Smiths expert. You know, there are sort of mega Smiths fans there. And I felt anxious that I was letting them down and that I hadn't done a good job with Johnny and I'd asked the wrong questions and it was just going to be annoying. Wrong. So I couldn't even listen back to it immediately because it just, there was other ones that were good to go mm-hmm. and I could put those out. And then weeks turned to months, then a year and it was just sitting there. And then I went back to it and I was like, oh, no, this is good. He was great. He answered all my questions and he was a brilliant interview. So it went out. But then I had to, um, as I have done a few times, write an email and sort of apologize a little bit and say, look, I hope you didn't take this personally. But isn't that funny, though, that you can't always judge how well something's gone right after you've done it? Why, fine? Do, why do you think, well, general, I think, general, I think if I've done, you know, something on TV and uh, I have a sense of it whether it's worked or not i think uh-huh i mean you know when great 
bits happen. Mm. And you know when terrible bits happen. But sometimes... It's middling. <clears throat> sometimes a, a conversation that can feel quite boring actually is fun to listen to. That's the nice thing about podcasts as well. Come on then, Cornballs. Which ones have you listened to? Of yours? Yeah, that you thought, no, I'm not having that. That I didn't... I can't tell you the ones I didn't no, like. That would can't. be rude would to be the person. That would be unfair to the person, exactly. Mm. But, you know, I always know I'm going to get some good Buckley's action. What about... Have you listened, listened to... to the beginning yeah. and the end? And then a little bit of the person, but then sometimes I tune out. Right, okay. But Which the ones, ones I you... really liked, I really liked the Bob Mortimer one. We were talking about this the other day. One. Any, uh, any but ones? I like the tree. I like the wise old tree. <laughs> and I like the dog, Rosie yeah, the Rosie. dog. You know, the dog is real. Well, that's what you say, but we've got history with fictional dogs. That's true. And I've and never I'm... heard her talk. Yeah. Like, I've been in her company in real life, and but she's never talked. She's shy. And you make assumptions about her voice, about what she sounds like. Do you know what I mean? She's all over the place, personality-wise. Not, not a very feminine voice, is it? No. For, for a woman dog. No. Yeah. No, that's true. Rosie. Was that Sir Johnny Morris? Do you, do you regard him as an inspiration? Or? <laughs> that's a good question. Well, we both liked uh, Animal Magic, didn't we? Yeah. Because that, that went fantastic. out of vogue for a while, didn't it? Anthropomorphizing animals. You Why? Because see... it's patronising. Yeah, I think it was patronising, and I think some people thought it wasn't scientific. But those <laughs> weren't the actual. How would you know that the animal was really thinking that? Did anyone think that? Somebody, I the did. observer. <laughs> what did they think that there was actual animal mind reading? <laughs> no, but did was there really a controversy about animal I magic think it being was unrealistic? Viewed as <laughs> no, I think it was viewed as a little bit. <laughs> Who viewed it that way? You're saying it went out of vogue because people were worried about the science. People felt that Johnny Morris was giving children the wrong idea about. Well, there's a not. There is. Uh, I know what you're getting oh, at here. I think. People thought that it was getting in the way of actually seeing animals as what they are. If because you then they'd they all be, spoke um, like Johnny Morris. They'd be shocked by footage of like a lion dead. murdering an antelope. Or an elephant <sighs> fucking another I, elephant. That was the thing. <laughs> Suddenly <laughs> from behind. He didn't really do lions, did he? He only did animals that you could get quite close to in the zoo. Well, he was a zookeeper. Yeah, yeah and it would be. So it was a lot of, wasn't it a lot of penguins and Maybe that's like that? why it fell out of vogue, because zoos themselves are now sort of problematic in some ways. For, for people, some people, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Because you do, uh, you know, attitudes to all sorts of things have changed and animals are included in there. What? Wasn't... If what? the thing is, if you... <laughs> what? Hang, if on, you hang on a second. <laughs> What's changed? It's offensive to rob any living creature of its agency by providing it with a voice. How's that? You're, that's offensive. That's offensive. What you just said is offensive. Yeah. <laughs> Why is what he said offensive? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being provocative. <laughs> But it seems to be the thing to say these days. You know, I do worry about it, though. Seriously, I worry because I worry about How everything. How dare you? <laughs> I am very you, disappointed. Do you think you can get out of any sticky social situation by saying, How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Only when, when right someone has on. said, I dare you, and then you're saying it back you, How dare Or just, How, how dare you? Like this. How dare you? I dare like this. <laughs> Listen, this is... Uh, or very behind the scenes, but sometimes I, when Rosie's not feeling well, I do the voice of Rosie. Fuck off. How Some, dare you. Sometimes. But and she's I, still there. She's still there. You do it very well because it's seamless. Yeah. I couldn't tell which is the I'm real a good Rosie and which is you. You've you are heard, a good impressionist. You've heard my Bowie. That's true. What was the other impression I used to be able to do? Um, I used to sometimes do Roger Moore. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't do it anymore. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, but I can do Rosie. I like it when you sum up the people you're interviewing. At the beginning? Yeah, well, you take a deep breath. Uh-huh. And then you have a very pithy little um, sermization of I write the person. It. Yeah. Do you? I write it. So I, read... I like it when your voice switches from... You just become information bucks. That's right. Yeah, I like that. It's authoritative. I like it too. You're I'm like glad you like it. the captain of a ship. You're gripping mm. the wheel in two manly hands. That's right. Little hairy knuckles. I think like this is a bonus bit. I've written Buckles, a little knuckles. overview. Buckles, knuckles. Buckles, I've... knuckles down. <laughs> yeah. But... You know, some people don't like it. Well, there it is. There's always people that don't like it. For the Bob Mortimer episode, I wrote a little encapsulation of Bob's work with Jim Moyer, Vic Reeves, and I thought it was a good little overview. But mm. I got a tweet from a guy saying, I enjoyed the podcast, but you totally wasted seven minutes of my life with that intro. I'm more concerned that you take the tweet from the guy to heart. Right. Is that all it takes? Yep. A tweet from a guy. Tweet from a guy. Because you don't know. Don't you find this when you get anonymous criticism online? You invest that person with all your own best qualities. You assume that they are intelligent. You assume that they are successful, handsome, beautiful and interesting. And you think, ouch, it's like getting a bit of harsh criticism from someone you admire. Joe's thinking about uh, well, I, I say that's a flat no. Yeah, I'm not going to go with that one. No. I think it's more that you, you you go through life imagining that most people like what you do. And, and of course, a lot of people don't. And it's just reality coming home is quite painful. I don't imagine they're particularly uh, but more clever. To the point, or, you don't know how old they are. You don't know whether they're educationally what, subnormal. What kind of day they're you having. You don't know whether they're in some sort of institution. Mm-hmm. You don't know whether they're mad. Mm. Do you not look at any of you the feedback know. for your films? Well, then you, you get critics. If you release a film, you get like more than 200 professional critics writing long assessments of your work. Probably more than any other um, art form, right? I guess In so. terms of like an industry built around the critical analysis yeah, yeah. of more something. More than books, for more sure. Books, Probably more than TV. More than radio. But it's part of the ecology of life that there's people out there who hate what you do. I'm doing a couple of programs at the moment for various reasons. I'm pretty sure they will get... Along with some good reviews, some bad reviews. And no one gets good reviews all the time for everything they do. It would be weird, wouldn't it? Sure. <clears throat> so you just got to just realise that's part of life. Come on. You can't yeah. set yourself up for sunny days every day. It's not going to happen. It's like being at a party and you're the DJ and 90% of the people in the room are loving the music. Yeah. But then there's one guy in the corner with his arms folded just making faces Is at you. Is it Dizzy Rascal? It's, it is Dizzy Rascal. Is it Johnny Morris? Right in the corner. It's, it's Dizzy Rascal and Johnny Morris. <laughs> Dizzy Rascal is a big fan of Johnny Morris. Dizzy Rascal loves anthropomorphizing animals. Johnny loves Dizzy. He loves grime. Yeah. Does Dizzy Rascal do grime? He did. He he's was a, a grime pioneer. He's a grime pioneer. He was, yeah. So, yeah, that's who it is. But the thing is, the point is... Yes. Don't concentrate on them. Concentrate no. on everyone else who's having a good time. Don't change the record to suit them. You'll just alienate everyone else mm. at the disco party. Well, what I think is the best thing to do is just plough your own furrow as much as possible. Mm. And the yeah. problem is, the problem that we always had, me and Joe, with a lot of stuff, is that it feels wrong to always do the same kind of thing. Like, the way to be successful generally is to find what the most amount of people like and then you just do that all the time. Mm. So the the ones, you know, I'm well aware that 
a lot of people really like the sort of funny lighter podcasts and they're not that fussed about the ones that are a bit more serious or with some writer they've never heard of or whatever but I really like those ones right because <laughs> I like listening to those types of episodes of other people's podcasts mm. you know what I mean definitely so I feel as if it's nice to include all those different things Johnny and Dizzy what what weird just weird that they turned up together at the disco Johnny died didn't he Johnny Morris. That was the ghost of Johnny Morris. Yeah. Turning up with Dizzy Rascal. Dizzy Rascal was doing the voice for the ghost of Johnny Morris. Is that what it is? That makes sense now. <laughs> this is the kind There's of sickening chit-chat that happens this is when three white, privileged, cis male, cis male fuckboys get together. <laughs> What's a fuckboy? <laughs> I want to be a fuckboy. You are. I mean, different about the other terminology, <laughs> but I'm excited about the, the fuckboy thing. That's the thing, isn't it? Is it? Oh, what is a fuckboy? Cishet fuckboys. That, sound, you heard that? that sound quite that good, doesn't band. it? That could be a band. Is it too late to form a band? Who is... I tell you, your cousin got labelled a cishet fuckboy. Whoa, my um, cousin Justin. Justin Theroux, yeah. For Cause, what? Because wasn't he in the Zoolander sequel? He wrote it. He wrote it. Right. Yeah. And because there was some there problematic There was a character played trans... by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the film, but uh, it, got, it came in for some criticism. Yeah. Insensitive portrayal of a trans person. And the I read a review that referred to many of the people involved with the production as cishet fuckboys. Doesn't really tell us what a fuckboy is. <laughs> what do you think it is? I think it's just a general derogatory term. For a heterosexual man who reproduces. Just a, just a tit. Who likes to... Uh, oh, okay. breeder. Oh, right. The definition I have here is fuckboy, a weak or contemptible man. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Is that real melody? in my phone charger I left it right there did you see it have you got it where's my charger gone where's my phone charger the battery is about to die it was on the table round and round in their heads go the chord progressions the empty lyrics and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box. At the start of every bar. At the start of every bar. Boom goes the brain box. trying to think of some introductions for you both i mean i know that we're already into the podcast now but i was going to say as if it was a boxing match i was going to say on my left journalist documentarian author desert island disc castaway the center of banter louis theroux <laughs> like on my it. right director it's not a christmas themed show though is it no and I didn't, I couldn't come up with one. But you know you're good. The central banter is good. The decanter once of a year banter. you say something funny. Oh, <laughs> but it's in a I'm big getting sad. into the pugilistic. Get I'm getting into the pugilistic yeah, I love it. Roasting. Roast battle. <laughs> what you mean is I have 
a pile of Bon Mo produced all through the year, and I carry them in a huge sack to deliver around the world in millions. Come back from that. What's Joe's moniker going to be? I tried to think of... um, I I thought of the Stephen Hawking of talking, but then I thought, that's not for a lot of reasons. It means like talk to a a machine, a computer machine, which isn't an accurate representative. Uh, Uh, Yeah, so what's your intro for me? Well, I I didn't have one. I got stuck. (laughs) (laughs) I had the center of banter for Louis. And then I got stuck. I was hoping you might help. You're creative. The Easter Bunny of Funny. Hey. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Whoa. What about my professional achievements, though? Uh, Writer and director. And I was going to say something to describe our work together. Mm -hmm. And 90s TV comedian, award-winning radio broadcaster... Yeah. Writer and film director. Yeah. That covers it. That's everything. Easter Bunny of Funny. Easter Bunny of Funny. The Easter Bunny. All right, here we Jerk go. Jerk Ornish. On my left, journalist, documentarian, author, Desert Island Disc, Castaway, the centre of banter, Louis Theroux. <sighs> I'm an author as well. On my right, author, writer, director, presenter, 90s comedian, satirical Genius. behemoth. Genius. Genius. Handsome man. Cishet fuckboy. <laughs> yes. The Easter Bunny of funny. Joe Cornball's Cornish. Yes, thank you. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. All right, man. Um, now... <laughs> <laughs> Deserved a little, a little gentle pony noise. <laughs> the contemptuous pony. <laughs> I've put the contemptuous pony in my book. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> it's a very useful noise. It's going to work with the audio book, but people who... But, How do you write it? Well, I just I wrote, Joe then deployed his contemptuous pony noise. Yeah. And hoped that people would imagine it. But that's what it is, if mm-hmm. you buy the book and you're wondering. Um, so, Lou, one thing I've been trying to build is a, um, a Louis Theroux on Desert Island Discs sampler. Just see if it works. My friend Joe Cornish. Mm. Well, I've rapped among friends. My friend Joe Cornish. That was the best bit. That was the best bit. <sighs> That's a good noise. That's one of your sighs. Oh, what was man. that in re- in response to? Don't a very know. probing question. That was Laverne. Really touching a deep psychological chord. That was me digging deep. You did a lot of sigh. There was a yeah. lot of breath. On the uh, Desert Island Discs interview. So here's the thing about doing Desert Island Discs. The first thing is they asked me a year before. Mm -hmm. So I had a year to think about going on it. The other thing is, like probably everyone, I had in my mind kind of fantasized about what if you were asked and what would you choose as your records? And and then when it happened, I kind of built it up. and And I suppose I'd also always thought, oh, if I ever am asked, I'll only do it if I'm ready to do it in a spirit of bringing kind of delivering the goods opening up and and talking about personal things so i may even have gone overboard because i think you could also go on it and not talk about personal stuff but i think i thought that's the price of admission is a little bit of spilling your guts so when i went on it i just had this feeling of i felt very almost divided i had this feeling about i'm really excited to do this it's great it's a very flattering thing to be asked to do and I'm going to talk about personal stuff, which I'm not that excited about doing, mm-hmm. but I have to do it. So it was almost like seeing these questions come in, quite difficult questions. One of the questions, I think, was what in your life 
making documentaries has changed you and it's that feeling of like oh i'm gonna have to actually dig and be introspective and go to a dark place so i was trying not to be glib and it was expressed as a sigh why a dark place i don't know i think it was because couldn't it have changed you in a fun way a nice yeah, way Yeah, maybe i don't know that's a great question for some reason Thanks. i i think i wanted to talk about because i don't i don't i think happy things maybe don't change you as much or certainly don't leave as much of an imprint. Right, okay. They sort of glide off you. That's a shame. The brain is like Teflon for positivity and uh, Velcro for negativity. I disagree. Mm. I disagree. Why? Because I, I think happy things are fantastic. Um, Obviously they're I fantastic, but do they... Uh, you remember them, you reckon? Yeah, and you want to get back there, don't you? You want to keep having that hit of happiness, don't like you? Like the nexus. Yeah, yeah it's what you aspire to, isn't it? Feelings of great happiness, I do. I remember those moments very, Do you? very clearly, yes. And I tend to bury the pain. Do you? <laughs> the, I think I'm slightly the opposite. I'm mm. not proud of it. But I... Oh, make a noise. It's time for a noise. See if I've got a noise on the sampler. Just to brighten the mood. Here we go, look. I've got this one. <laughs> <laughs> I got two. You did two. You Should've... should... Sexy frog noises. Mm. You should deploy those uh, noises more frequently in your television work. I think I will, now that I know that I can do them. I never heard you make those noises Me before. neither. I was very over-tweaked. Like, I had this feeling of... I think I was quite nervous, and I think I thought that I was just aware of that I had a sense of occasion. I began talking in a way that I don't normally talk quite enunciated. But can I let you off the hook? Because do you do a lot of radio? Not that much. So you're talking to two radio, radio pros. And it's a very revealing medium for the voice, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Stomach noises oh, can yeah. be very, very difficult. Also, when you start listening to yourself, it can be very, very difficult. You can get panicky in terms of forgetting how to breathe mm. and stuff like that. It's quite a little psychological minefield, especially the atmosphere of a studio, one of those weird... At least you don't have clicky mouth. No, but I don't think any of us ever had clicky mouth. You're supposed to not eat chocolate, aren't you, before right. you go on the radio. Or get stoned. Knacky. Oh, what? dry mouth, cotton Some, mouth. Yeah, sometimes people... Well, that's another thing. I think people, if they've had a bit of a jazz cigarette, they can get quite clicky mouths. What do you think your best like radio voices, like your best mic technique... Do you mean to sort of go quite close? I don't really know if I know what you mean. Well, you did what the do sighing. You mean? Listen, listen. The Here's so- all the sighs that you did. On. Oh, jeez. <laughs> do you remember, Joe, when we were on XFM, some guy sent in a mini disc, and I think he did it in a spirit of enthusiastic affection, but he had cut together over a few weeks every time either one of us said, um, ah, uh, or, you know, any kind of little bit of hesitation or fluffery. I did a song of all our ums and ahs. You did, a, you you did an Amanar yeah. song. That yeah, was that, after the guy had Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. But this guy, and the thing went on for about 10 minutes. And we'd only been on XFM about four or five weeks or something. We get this mini disc of us just going, um, well, uh, yeah, <laughs> every nervous bit of That's good. That's just vocalization. Ador- that's adoration. I think he... Or not. I, I don't think he was trying to be mean, but it completely destroyed my confidence. Did it? Yeah. For how long? Not difficult. Quite a while. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I got very self-conscious. Hey, the what thing did you say, Joe? I said not difficult to destroy your <laughs> to destroy your confidence. Just a random person with a tweet we've established can do it. Hey, I didn't know you were so robust. The thing I'm getting at is that you know I, th- I think I've told this story before, but have you, if you work for the BBC, you get voice training. 
I had a little voice training session I haven't had before voice I was a presenter on Back Row, the Radio 4 film review program. Oh. And it, it lasted about half an hour with this lovely lady. And she said, do you have a pet? I said, yes, I have a cat. She took a piece of A4 paper and tore the corners off and stuck them to the microphone like little cat's ears and said, talk to this mic like you talk to your cat. That's sick. <laughs> I was offended. <laughs> I was really offended. I mean, I'm offended. And then she said, okay, the other thing to do is imagine you're in bed. And you're talking, go on, (laughs) a kip, a a nap, having a nap. You're in bed and you're talking to your partner whose head is on the pillow next to you. And that's why everything on Radio 4 is extremely sexy and slightly sexy. Right. And that's why it's sort of weirdly compelling and addictive because no other radio station does it. Lauren Laverne was doing that. Sort of caresses you. You have to lean into ASMR. Yes. But you did it automatically then. Well, when I, was, I asked you what your best, you, you, which shows you're unnatural. You oh. went straight close to the mic, straight quiet. Yeah. It's quite creepy, Joao Gilberto. <laughs> Hello, coming up. What did you say? Joao Gilberto. He sings a bit like that. I find it um, over, a bit intimate. And I was trying to match Lauren Laverne's tone. And then you find you're sort of in a slightly unnatural you're not completely playing your natural game. All right, here's which may be the idea. Here's, but I wonder. I, I don't. I've never been aware of people on that show sighing so expressively. So I sighed the most of anyone who's ever been. Have you ever listened to it ever on Desire? Yeah, Island man, Disc? I listened to it. Do a lot. you? Yeah, yeah. Do you? Okay. So maybe I, I overshot. Anyway, sorry. Go on. All right, here we go. Montage of sighs. That would be a good name for a band, don't you think? Mm. More. I think it's more a romantic novel. Right. Mm. <laughs> here we go. Well, <laughs> are those all different ones? Yeah, man. That's extraordinary. All from one program. I sound like I'm having an attack. Which... Or smoking a massive dube. Or having a re- relaxing wank. <laughs> Do people say that word anymore? We, we we covered similar territory on our radio show with the archers. Right, we? yes, you did a whole... I cut out all the sighs and non-verbal guttural noises from an episode of the archers. Yeah. Because when you're a radio actor, it's very important. That's one of the arrows in your quiver, mm-hmm. is to be able to express movement and dissatisfaction. With and grunting. Bits of emotion. Yeah. With grunting. Oh. They're always coming into rooms and grunting oh. and sighing. Exactly, you're very, very good at it. Emotional and not another famous film star who, of course, relies on grunting is. <laughs> <laughs> Money Penny! Is, is Pierce Brosnan. Right. Yeah. Who's a, a classic grunter. I think when anybody goes on radio, it's a close mic environment. It's a bit like, in, have you ever seen a Shakespeare production where they're trying to make it more naturalistic, but they have to use the actual words of Shakespeare, but they'd quite like to add some other words, but they can't, so they try and do it with noises. So they go like, oh, methinks that thou doth protest too much. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what sort I haven't of chosen a very good seeing? example. Modern I noises. Chosen a very good example. I'm obsessed. But they interject modern noises. Yeah. Oh, yes. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> That's a modern noise. <laughs> 
Well, I keep on going on about this, but the most modern noise I can think of, which is a very podcast mm. noise, particularly from NPR-style presenters, is when someone is saying something and the presenter wants to express surprise and interest and they, the noise they use is, huh, Huh. 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 In conversation re- with someone, it wouldn't be in a monologue. That's well, a useful noise. It's an affirmation, huh. but it also has a hint yeah, of challenge. Yeah, that quite natural to me. Saying, I hear what you're saying, huh. but I want to hear more. But I haven't heard that. I only started hearing really? that noise a few huh. years ago. Huh. huh. I see. And I know that I only started doing it because I do it myself now, and I never used to do it. Huh. It sounds to me a, a little bit dismissive. It's sort of who to thunk it. Yeah, exactly. It's the who to thunk it noise. But with an intellectual sheen. Huh. Huh. It's usually about, you know, someone gives you a, a illegal immigrant stat. Huh. Really? It, to me, it's like, I'm interested, but not that interested. <laughs> I'll give you a noise and then we'll talk about something else. Huh. I can't be bothered to actually respond to that with words. Is that the noise? Yeah. Huh. No, 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 no. Speaking of noises, did both of you see A Star is Born? Yes. Yes. With Lady Gaga. Jaja. Yes. Jaja Gabor. How did you enjoy that? By sitting and watching it. I liked it. <laughs> I, I liked the beginning it. of it. I liked the first right. half. Yeah. First half. Bongo. I'm pointing at Joe. Yeah. And, and I'm especially bongo. the beginning. That night of madness was oh. very good. Yeah, man. That first 25 minutes, whatever it is. I don't get why he killed himself. It's had a spoiler alert. Because <laughs> <laughs> he done Are you a... supposed to do the spoiler alert before I'll or do the after? spoiler in the intro. <laughs> He done a whoopsie at the Grammys. What? He turns up. Her new manager's there. <laughs> he didn't do a whoopsie. No, he didn't. He did. You he can't did, come he back. Did he just stumbled around yeah, on stage. I mean, whoopsie. He turns up. He her did e- not her... just stumble around on stage. He, he did a wee. He did a whoopsie. He did a public wee wee, but he, he didn't. Public... And there's no coming English, back from that. Her evil English manager <laughs> is there when he arrives, and the evil English manager says, "You're you're holding her back. She's not interested in you." He goes very She's hard too on him. Big I mean, for it's... you. And then he's like, oh, maybe he's right. I think I'll kill myself. Well, it's not. There's more they're to it. They're following this. There? There's daddy issues, you know, with Hoojima Flip O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Hoojima Flip has Who got a lot to answer. Who plays the dad? <laughs> Cross, Krusty O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the elderly actor that plays the dad? Chris Christopherson. <laughs> he's no. not the dad. He's his brother. Who's, the brother. Who's, oh, that's oh, the older Sam brother. Sam Elliott. Well, I wanted to do some Sam Elliott <laughs> But they argue about the dad, don't they? They argue about their childhood and who was the favourite and stuff. Yeah. yeah. There's daddy issues going on. There's alcoholism. There's clearly that pills. Yes. Pills. There's an addiction pills, to some sort chills. of pills. He's struggling with a lot of stuff. But the English manager tips him over the edge. He Did you not think over. he was good in that role? I thought he was. <laughs> I thought he was very good. But that's the story of A Star is Born. That's the third mm. remake, I believe. Mm. So they can't just completely reinvent the narrative Fourth. to that degree. Fourth, in, the, in one of them, maybe the f- first one. There's a black and white one. The, the incident of embarrassment the technical one. at the there's award the show one. changes. In one, one of them, it's the older star slapping the younger star in public, isn't it? <gasps> in this one, he disgraces himself by being drunk at the Grammys. And doing a wee-wee. He, does he do a wee-wee? Yeah. Yes, he does a wee-wee. In the, what, and what, struggles to play the guitar. The film reaches the its peak in the wee-wee scene and struggles to get it back. I think. Oh, it's peaked way before then, I think. Do you think? So if that's the embarrassing thing, 
in the 2018 version, what will the embarrassing thing be in the 2040 version? Oh, good question. Good question. It'll well, be shit by then, surely. The well, thing the is, the embarrassing thing... It's diminishing in seriousness, isn't it? So it'll be something quite minor, like he wears the wrong colour shoes. But it's a peculiar thing <laughs> in the modern version, isn't it? It's a peculiar thing to write, like to choose, like pissing yourself in public. Isn't it? It's an odd thing to go for. Yeah. Has anyone ever pissed? Himself? I would have gone. I would have said that's not enough. That's not quite what. It's kind it of good because be it's so that. sort of random and weird and gross. Who pissed themselves in real life? Didn't someone do piss themselves at Glastonbury? Marky Smith, maybe. No, did he? I think he might have done. It's undignified. That's yeah. for sure. Do you think anyone's done a shit? Uh, you know, shat themselves on stage. Well, Gary Lineker shat himself in the World Cup, didn't he? And that's why he had in 20... What was that the big one? Italian Professional footballers shit their shit themselves left, right, left, right and centre. I think athletes do it. They do it. It's a way of getting that's more That's why speed. they all have to have a big bath at Ooh, the end. It, it, <laughs> just to wash the tods off. It actually... They can run faster, can't they? It's like, it's like throwing... Yeah, that when they slide into out the of goal, a balloon. that's because often one of the other teammates has readied the ground. <laughs> With some with some bum slops. So in football, it happens a lot. <laughs> One of the fuck boys has, <laughs> has gone in ahead of time with some um, lubricant, some trouser lubricant. There's a dedicated position in the modern game. It's become increasingly a feature of the modern mm. game. Feces. You're so naive. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, do you fancy having a go at talking like Sam Elliott? Because that was a good Jesus. character. He listens to it beforehand. Do you know how he does this? He's prepared this. So I haven't he's prepared to this. it. And he's then we arrive like stooges. No, I've made the, to me. all I've done is do the clips. Plus I you're a, like a really good impressionist. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, for those of you who haven't seen it, I'm going to play a few clips. We've been on the other side before. More than once. This is the brother of the Bradley Cooper character. The much older brother, yeah. Older brother. W- who's speaking through a moustache. Speaking through a moustache. <laughs> and also just had this kind of accent where you can't really understand what he's saying. It's like he's just had a he's got, I mean, he's got a brilliant voice. Oh, demon kind of gravelly accent, but he doesn't have a little <laughs> mark. just can't talk carry on point, I think. But you shed a tear for that piece of shit you idolized for no goddamn fucking reason. He could speak more clearly when he's angry. When he's angry, he's oh, you got to come on my fucking, just <laughs> say fucking goddamn fucking, fucking Can you understand the kind of acting that? I like though? Because he actually is. That's how people talk, isn't it? You can't understand what they say half Sometimes. the time. Sometimes that's, they talk, but it's also kind of an acting I thing, do. isn't it? <laughs> this is what actors do to compete. They, they, they out-quiet each other. And make it, yeah. They go quieter and quieter. Less intelligible. Yeah. Well, so that they're trying less hard than the Didn't other Didn't Marlon actor. Brando kind of invent that? Well, the mumble. Mumble. Yeah. Well, he had uh, cotton wool in his cheeky cheeks, didn't he? Yeah, not all the time, but... That was the first time and now you've got mumble rapping. Do you like the mumble rap? Mumblecore. Mumble rap like who? Mumblecore is movies though, right? Yeah, mumblecore right. is movies. Movie well, movement. 50 Cent was always quite good because he didn't really open his mouth that wide. Greta Gerwig was part of the mumblecore yeah. film movement. 50 Cent was the first of the mumblers, was he, in rap? Well, he, uh, I don't know if you call it mumbling, but not opening his mouth very wide seemed to be his thing. Uh-huh. How about ASAP huh. Rocky? Is he a mumbler? Tell I you. don't know. That, that Some of them are quite sort of uh, gibberishy. Oh, I know who's a mumbler. Playboy Carty. Oh, Playboy Carty. He's always Ugh. mumbling. Never heard of him. Have you not? No. He's big. Is he related to Todd Carty? Yes. Playboy Carty's Todd Carty's son. That would make more <laughs> sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> Todd Carty, yeah. famous for playing Tucker Jenkins. Tucker Jenkins. In Grange Hill. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. <laughs> okay, one more bit of Sam Elliott. Tell you one thing, though. You never brought a girl on stage before. That was more uh, comprehensible. He was one. talking to someone he didn't know that well, so he had to enunciate. Oh, no, yeah. Maybe about, um, oh, this oh, is the thing. key to because you you know I think you're a very good actor. No, I don't know that no, because I do so far you've actor. not exploited the fullest <laughs> yeah, of my acting skills. But because I don't skills. think you've found your voice. You, but, but you got As started with a compliment and then it went well, because <laughs> it boomeranged on you, and it wasn't. But this is a what compliment. I'm building up to, right? Is that Sam Elliott's found his voice? Yes, right. That's a voice. Yeah, that's a voice. That's a voice. So why should I don't you know, fucking do that? I mean, what else do you want to do with that voice apart from act? You can't work in retail. No. <laughs> You can't work at a drive through McDonald's. What do you think is the closest you've got to finding your voice? In acting? Yeah. Like, what is your voice? <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, isn't it? To think it is a lot that. of pressure. Well, you've got to give him some lines. An actor just... That, that's what happens to an actor if you ask them to speak without a script. They yeah. just freeze. Like, What's my best... Who, who am say I? Say in your, in your voice, i tell you one thing, he's never brought a girl out on stage before. tell you one thing, he's never brought a girl out on stage before. Mm. Oh, I don't mm. think that's it. <laughs> Do you think that's how I'm Sam Elliott all over again? Do you think that's how how Sam Elliott speaks Normally. just in his day to day life? Yes, exactly. It was too clear, wasn't it? Do what you he think said. So? Phone him up. Mumble in your own way. I'd like to speak to Sam Elliott, please. Hello, yes, <laughs> Sam Elliott here. What are you thinking for this one? Well, I was thinking the kind of mumbly Sam Elliott. Oh, yes, well. I mean, I can definitely do that for <laughs> okay, you. Listen, Is there anything else you'd let's, like? Louis and I can work as directors, okay. and we'll, let's get you to Sam Elliott. So what's your first reading of the line? I'll tell you one thing. He's never brought a girl and... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> say it again. Just say the words. Just say the words. No inflection. It's been a long time since I've done an audition. I'll tell you, action. I'll tell you one thing. He's never brought a girl out on stage before. He did a little head nod and a little eye. <laughs> A little eye right glance. <laughs> After I'll tell you one thing. Okay, so he this n- next sound. one, okay. we're going to tag team. So that's straight. Now, Drop, where do you want me to go? Okay, I'm going to give you the first direction. Drop the look. Just relax the face. Mm-hmm. And just don't move your teeth at all. In fact, keep your teeth clenched yeah. together. Okay. And close your eyes. Okay. Seriously? Ready? Don't, don't think know. about it. Action. I'll tell you one thing. He's no avoided. <laughs> It is better already. It's better already. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> see my eyes. Do it again. Do it again. I'll tell you one thing. He's never brought a girl out on stage before. I liked that. Did you? Throw something in. Say it as though you're in a lot of pain. I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one thing. He's never brought a girl out on stage before. <laughs> I think the teeth thing is a misdirection. Relax it's getting the teeth. Bronhard. Relax the teeth. Close your the eyes, but don't open. Yeah. Do everything you just did. Relax Do the I teeth. Do I have to keep my eyes closed? Do it in an American no, accent. You. In an American okay. Accent. So you got pain. Eyes closed. Pain. Oh, eyes closed. <laughs> yeah, American accent. Pain. Eyes closed. Relax the teeth. American accent. I'll tell you one thing. He's never brought a girl out on stage before. See, that's good already, isn't it? That, is actually uh, that was good. actually good. That could be out of a Robert Altman film. That would, could be. So your natural voice might be American. Because it's you... far away. Like The further away yeah. you get from me is the better. Mm. Isn't it? Amen. Amen. What's been my best role? What have I been best in? I'll tell you the thing I always think of whenever I think of acting. Like I don't do acting anymore, really. It's a shame. But maybe I will when I grow into my looks a bit more. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll be back. It'll be like Farnsworth doing the straight story, getting nominated for an Oscar. Do you, but you were saying your best role. Best is there role. Something you look at that of your of your oeuvre. The thing you... I always think of the, the compliment that meant most to me at the time was when we were doing the Adam and Joe show and we mm. did the 1980s house, mm. and I played the matriarch of the Fat Boy Slim family. Mm. That's right. Who were all web I designers. That recently. And I remember Jane Goldman saying, "Why." Yeah, why did you watch that? Oh, it's a long story. It was for an, I was doing some research into the 80s for oh, a right. project. Yeah, that's a good thing to, to Yeah, that's look a at. good thing to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, though. <laughs> I'm trying to remember some it's of the It's very funny. Jokes. It's very funny. You're good. You, you play a, a very gregarious woman. Yeah. Who owes a little bit to your mother. I right, think. right, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, but it's you, very, very funny. You're freaking out with the soda stream, I think. In the ki- there's a kitchen nightmare Well, moment. you're looking through the Face magazine, mm-hmm. and you're looking at Boy George, and you say something funny I can't remember. I remember the, the uh, thing about... This isn't a good look, though, to be um, fawning over one's own work. Well, it's okay. It's the 100th podcast. This is all about me. Okay, but it's true. You think that's your number one performance, your best Which your was best the bit that Jane Goldman liked? She said, uh, the whole she, bit. Sa- she just said, your acting was really good. And I'd know, mm. no one had ever paid me a compliment on my acting before. I thought, wow, I'm acting. I'm an actor. But it's big, you see. You've got to find the right vehicle for that sort of I performance. That's bigness. The t- well, I'm you hoping bigness comes Ca- back Jim again. Jim Carrey. You need to possess the whole I movie. Jim Carrey. Or Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson, you need a whole. He needs a whole, whole film movie. built around him. And mm, Louis, true, that's your job. I'll see what I can do. You had a series more or less built around you, though, didn't you? Mm. Oh, the Persuasionists. Was that built around you and Last Chances? Oh yeah, maybe. Well, I sort of wrote that with Tony McMurray. Wasn't big enough though. Wasn't big <laughs> My and silly enough. Yeah. It wasn't no, I tell you why not. Because enough. the pilot for that show, which was about a band. In Brighton, a guy who's part of a band and they, they're slightly loserish. And the pilot for that was directed by Stephen Merchant, who was a friend of the co-writer, Tony McMurray. And they were, I remember when we did the pilot, they were filming the second series of The Office. So they were right at the vanguard. They were enjoying the success of the first series that was just taking off. And that was the beginning of a, a return to a very naturalistic style of comedy. After everything had been quite big for a while, I think, and grotesque. You know what I mean? Mm. So I'm waiting for it. To so you swing back. that you were directed to play? I was directed under. to turn it down, turn it down. That's always the direction I get. Down, down a bit, down a bit, down. No further. I turn it up. You're gonna find something where you could turn Bacchus up to the max. Yeah. Wigs, high heels, <laughs> <laughs> flowery dresses. <laughs> screeching that's the other thing is that i used to like dressing as a woman or whenever i got the opportunity mm. and now i don't know where you're at with that kind of thing mm. probably mm. it's not okay i don't know there's got to be a good reason for it and there was seldom a good reason with me <laughs> there was a good gag in the 80s house with the kid eating some ready break and him saying mom what's happened to me i'm glowing <laughs> <laughs> he played it very well didn't he that kid yeah he went on to be in a lot of stuff that kid oh yeah yeah and what was your line was it's okay look it's central heating for kids yeah wow you really did see it recently mm. i don't remember anything he's like a beautiful bird <laughs> is that boy george that's what you say about boy george oh, yeah. look he's like a beautiful bird <laughs> so ebullient <laughs> That was it's fun. sort of very moving because she's so ebullient, but you know she's so fragile. 
She did. My mum so often are. Mm. She, <laughs> she used to ricochet from extreme enthusiasm and joy to tears. It's all ruined. <laughs> it's all ruined. I can't remember what oh, you were. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's all ruined. She's so excited by the house. What and were you then... freaking out about that was ruined? I can't remember. I think it was you well, were trying to do something then, with the soda stream. when the daughter gets hooked on smack. <laughs> <laughs> because she's seen the anti-smack advert in the face. That's and right. Heroin very supportive, yeah. isn't she? She That's says, right. "Where did where did you find that? It's in the playground." She said, "Yes, I've got you the dirty needles." <laughs> <That's right. laughs> oh, this is terrible. we're laughing at our own stuff. Terrible. I just bumped into you at the supermarket. I was backing out of a parking space and I hit your car. I'm sorry. Very angry now, and that's making me very angry too. So how do you feel about uh, looking at some report cards? He's got... Okay, I'm worried about this. He's actually got some order cards. That's what we used to call them, wasn't it? Westminster... Report uh, cards. Report cards, yeah. Mmm, smell the report cards. I found a stack of them you the other day. You kept a lot of them, didn't you? My dad did. I found them in his oh, belongings. Oh, really? That's yeah. nice that you kept those. I've got them all. I bought down the wrong thing. You kept yours as well? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's split them up. We'll divvy them between me and Louis. All right. Because I don't think you should be reading your own. You shouldn't be self-editing. What would you say your... St- oh. 83. Can I say, before any reading of the report cards, how did you feel about reports? I remember clearly feeling sick to my stomach when they arrived. And when I saw the envelope flop through the letterbox, and I knew that it was that term's report, it used to sort of ruin the beginning of a holiday. Because I was so terrified, so mortified by the idea of the judgments that were coming my way and my parents being disappointed by them. I <laughs> didn't mind getting reports because I think I usually did all right. Right, okay. The thing is, they came at the beginning of the holes. Yeah. So there was a general feeling of, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Wasn't there? Whoa. It was like, oh, you know, so you might get a little bit ticked off. But then it was, way. In this fun. one, you came last in the class. Well, is that true? In French and physics with mathematics, 22nd place out of 22. Shut up. 34% you got on the physics exam. Whoa. What year was that? 83. Not that I improved in physics. That was my first year. I would have thought school. you'd be all right at the French. Let's see what the French teacher had to say about it. Physics Although was... his position has gone down, he has had a reasonable term and he has worked quite well. However... There are many weaknesses, and he cannot afford to relax his efforts. Mad. Oh, mate. I don't know. When I read these as an adult, I can see the housemaster and the teachers knowing the parents will read it. Yeah. So there's a little bit of performance in there probably isn't there. Yeah. Like making it seem as if they are absolutely on top of your every foible and strength and weakness, really demonstrating value for money. Well, there must be a lot of techniques to, to write parents. reports because Imagine they've got how so many, many they've to got write. To do. Exactly. And they've how got to make them got... each one ding yeah. dong. We've got a big old yeah. stack. The parents need to feel that their children are getting proper care and attention. 
individual care. Plus, this is an expensive school. And apart from you, the child, this is all the parents getting, really. Mm. This is the only evidence of what they've spent their money on. Apart from the keys to This is the an odd one. World. So in physics, he has his ups and downs, but his heart is in the right place, and he wants to understand what is going on. But I do wish he would get some shirts that fitted, as otherwise he is quite smart. Yeah, but you had a funny I know exactly thing who that's on. from. Is that Hepburn Scott? Scott? Yeah. Is it? Your shirts were too tight. Were they? Yeah, because you did your top button up. You were all like Mr. Boa Constrictor. No, I had big shirts. I would. I've never been a tight. But shirt you were a guy. button up guy. I, I, you were not a hairy chest exposed man. No, not that you had a hairy. But chest. I had baggy. I had shirts untucked. Don't you remember? They. I, I, they were all. I think. Like yes, I think you used to right, have stylishly. Yeah. You had a look, didn't you? It was like an <laughs> Afghan sort of Northern Alliance tribesman thing with his his sort of shirt tails right out like a little skirt. Mm. And it would hang about, and you'd do a little dance. You had a little dance that you used to do, and you had bells on your fingers. Do you remember, Joe? What, like a dancing boy? Yeah, like a, like a dancing boy. boy. A bunch of bars, to, And they say, look at buckles. He used to go around, and we used to skip, and he used to dance with his bells, and his skirts Just would, as a little would lady. twirl around. Yeah, so, do you remember that? <laughs> um what was the worst report you ever got? Was there a phrase that sticks in your head from those days, yes, Joe? Yes, I got some bad ones. Go on, Joe. So I went through a, a really stupid phase at school where I just didn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that. <laughs> I don't. Re- what was the other phase? <laughs> it was particularly, we started studying Charlemagne. Oh, yeah. And my God, it was the most boring thing I'd ever, I mean, it just felt like dying. You know, when you're you were young... fine with the other French kings. And you're, well, no, any French king. <laughs> but when you're young and you're full of sap and energy spunk. and excitement and yeah. spunk, you're absolutely brimming over with spunk. <laughs> <laughs> and you're told to study some medieval French king. Ugh. It, uh, was, ugh, it was terrible. Yeah. But I swan through on my uh, art and in creative language, like story writing. Mm. So that kept me afloat. Anything involving the learning of facts, I was not good at at all. Or any abstract concept, (laughs) I really couldn't grasp. Making stuff up and telling stories and stuff, very, very good, very strong. They they made, not special allowances, but I remember in A-level, because you started out doing history, and then at a certain point they said, you know what, fine. Yeah, it's a waste of time. You don't need to do history So I did history of art, art and They let you do art as your third A-level. That's right. Which was slightly jammy. It was well it was jammy. Very jammy. What would they? What had you done to? L- just because I was flatlining, there was nothing else that wouldn't have been just a complete waste of really? time. Yeah. Were you getting reports that said your son is a <laughs> moron, <laughs> a cheeky disruptive? For that, there was a short period when I was a cheeky disruptive one. Yeah. It was only a term, though. I think. I had a shock when my mum brought some round, and I'd thought that I just sort of. Did always did pretty well in my um, in my report cards, and my mum brought one around and said, "Oh, I think you'll like this. It's quite funny." And there was a, one or two of the maths A level ones, just said, "He's wasting my time. He's wasting his own time. He's disrespectful. He's cheeky." It was actually quite upsetting to read it. Wow, mm. we all did quite like. There was a class where there was a teacher who said, "Right, if you don't stop, it's Julian Thorles." 
Now look. Now look. look if you don't stop mess, I'm going to go out of this classroom. I'm going to stand outside the door and I'm going to wait till someone comes out and apologises and the lesson will not continue until that happens. <laughs> did he say that? The lesson did not continue. <laughs> Obviously, what's he thinking? He just waited outside I mean, for 35 minutes. that's teaching 101. That's not quite a useful sad, strategy for sad. a teacher. Maybe I'm exaggerating at 35 minutes. Now look, he was the one that told me, if you don't buck up your ideas, you're going to end up like Mike Adler. He left school last year, and in the holidays, do you know where I saw him? He was working at a petrol station. <laughs> that, that something similar happened to me when I was working in Tower Records in Piccadilly. Yeah. And one of our old school teachers came and bought some video cassettes, it probably would have been, or some records. And he was in the queue and then he came to be served by me and he looked at me and <gasps> gasped and said, Joe Cornish, how the mighty have fallen. He used that phrase. Yeah. The weird part is the mighty. Well, because I was, because <laughs> I made films, I directed plays. I was a yeah. bit of a sort of, what's the character in Rushmore called? Yeah. Max thingy. Twatface. Max <laughs> Twatface. I was a bit <laughs> of a Max Twatface. Yeah. Is he not called Rushmore? No. Why is it called Rushmore? Because that's the name of the school, oh, maybe. Right. And what did you say in return? I, I was going to give you a <laughs> discount on that fucking Wham record, but now I'm not, so shit off. Yeah. Sir. Did I you just say, felt very depressed. Did it upset you? Did you? Yeah, I just felt, fuck, maybe he's right. Oh, that's just Isn't bullshit, Isn't it strange like how little phrases that people say, maybe he didn't even think about it and never he, gave it another He must book. have been joking. And then afterwards, you, for the rest of your life, maybe you he might was remember joking. that. But I don't maybe know. Maybe he was, was being ironic. A... Like, how the mighty have fallen. On their feet, <laughs> working in one of Britain's <laughs> top video stores. Give me a discount. Now you're in this position of power. <laughs> the holiday harness goes to... So it was my birthday recently, and one of the presents I got from our friend Danny was spying through a keyhole, a box set of David Bowie demos that he made in 1969 that were released earlier this year in April. So these have never been heard before, some of these songs, and they include titles like Mother Grey... Love All Round, Goodbye 3D Joe, and Angel Angel Grubby Face. Good Angel, titles. Angel Grubby Face. And but so I haven't heard these. I haven't listened to them yet. Really? Yeah. So I thought we could have a go at imagining... Which one shall we imagine? Well, it's got to be Angel Angel Grubby <laughs> it's Face. It's got to be Angel it? Angel Grubby Face. Well, I've, d- I've written one. Have you? It's called Goodbye 3D Joe. But you were, you were wanting to do Angel Angel Grubby Face. Well, we can do both. Angel, angel, grubby face. <laughs> That's very strident. He was much more fey. Oh, was it? This That's is a... 1969. He hasn't you been... see, I might have got that wrong as well. Wait, I was, but this was him trying out mid-70s. That's why he didn't release it, because the world wasn't ready yet. Angel, angel, grubby face. The way you eat is such a... Is it's a, a disgrace. big disgrace. disgrace. You've got chocolate all over the place. Angel, angel, grubby angel, face. Angel, angel, grubby face. You were such a big disgrace. It's something like that, isn't oh, it? Oh, for the human race. 
Oh, angel it's not as easy as you might think angel it would be. Angel, grabby, angel grabby face. face. Fluttering there in God's good grace. Ooh. Oh, nice. Mucky, mucky marks upon your f- baby face is totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Clean totally your face, wrong. you silly angel. You can't come into God's presence looking Wash like Wash your that. hands, old grubby face, sitting on the steps of my guitar, like a <laughs> Japanese lady. This reminds me of, do you remember doing the David Bowie convention? Was it? Yes. In yeah. 1988. I found a recording <laughs> oh, of that. Oh, God, no. Do you want to hear a little bit? You don't have to. Go on, then. Are you ready? Um, Are you ready to go? Yeah, Are you standing on the edge of your seat? I'm ready to use a lever. Hello and welcome to the International David Bowie Convention. I'm your host, David Bowie. <laughs> on, on my right is uh, David Bowie. Hello, David. <laughs> Hello. David's got a bit of a cold. And on my left, may I introduce a pop star of made albums such as uh, uh, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars and Pinups. Is he with us? <laughs> David, mm, yes. wait a minute. The eldest one had glass legs. Bowie. <laughs> Hello, David. Hello. Well, David. Yes. No, I'm not talking to you. Yes, you are. David. Yes. I'm talking to you. Yes. David. Hello. This is, this is David Bowie tuning a radio. This is David. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> This is David Bowie clipping his toenails. (laughs) This is David Bowie putting his shoes on. (laughs) This is David Bowie going through a door. This is David Bowie doing his homework. 1988 that was. We were on holiday in New York. We were staying at a friend's house, Chad. We were 19. Well, I was 19. How old were you, Lou? 88. I would have been just turned 18. I was 14. And we were staying at our friend Chad's house. You were, <laughs> That's you the were, only way to you justify You were 19. Recording. Chad was away, I think, and we were sat around a bit steamed. And we got into uh, doing David Bowie voices. I do think over the years our impressions have improved. Well, there's a, they're a little they more a little nuanced. Bit forced. No, yes. A little bit forced. Where, where did the wizard come from? I think it was just, it was, I suppose, it was just... It's because when he says the word was... It was, yes. Was there a specific he, he, was, interview that it was based on? I was on? feeling very, well, very there's blue. that one where he says theatricality that we liked a lot. Yeah. Is that on the special extras of the film Labyrinth? I uh, think it might theatricality be... Theatricality is a word. Yes, but not the way David says it. And he no. also no. said superlative. He also said superlative, which is not a word. And he, and he says, you're no... Ch- what is it? You're, you're no, no spring chicken, chicken son. You're no That's chicken, right. son. Isn't that in, in the labyrinth extras, or, or a making of labyrinth? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you definitely there's a lot of theatricality flying around yes. in the labyrinth extras. But I do think our impressions have got a little bit better. Thank you. They were a little bit overexcited and forced back in uh, the 80s. <laughs> they were they? heavily reliant on just the word was yeah. and wuzzer. I think we were very, very zoned. Yeah, it was very powerful <laughs> marijuana. In, I wasn't though. In, I... You, you, you were very drunk on beer. On beer. I was. Me and Louis were very, very high on marijuana that I we'd uh, we acquired were... in Central Park. <laughs> Central Park. Central Park. Yes. It was very exciting for us because America was very. It was a very exciting time, wasn't it? Yes. But this is all throat clearing before. This is all throat clearing before. So we've we've had a go at Angel Angel Grubby Face. What does it actually sound like? This is the first time I've heard it. Let's see if we're anywhere close. Sunshine shadows soften her hair. I 
Our fingertips touch She wants to feel older We're citizens of town Lying in a country field Gazing down upon her face Suddenly we're lovers Your briefcase princess by your side To kiss away the dew It's good, isn't it? Nice. I mean, that's Lovely. why we're not... Very uh, different from the Bowie that I was doing. Yeah, and me. He was, it was Very, nothing was to do remarkably with similar. chocolate. Yours is quite close. <laughs> now similar. we should play Joe's one. Here we go. Hello. Yes, I'm ready now. I'm ready to sing. I'll just have a quick line of cocaine. <laughs> a cheeky bump up the side. Okay. You didn't have Let's cocaine go. in those days. It's not true. Good chords. Very good. One string. Oh, nice. <laughs> Glyph glasses back in the day didn't require a special display. You could make red and blue lenses from coloured sweet wrappers and assemble the frames from a box of cream crackers. Then all the dimensions would spring into life. Dennis Quaid fighting sharks, Jason's big bloody knife. Your eyes might feel funny, you might start to feel ill. New dimensions of terror in Amityville. So goodbye, 3D Joe. Wow. The world is much flatter since you had to go They said you were just a gimmick But don't listen to them, they're curmudgeonly cynics And goodbye 3D Joe The world lacks dimension since you had to go But you left the door ajar And now they're releasing 20 more avatars then imagine my thrill I almost wet my knickers When they announced a new movie From Robert Zemeckis That used a technique They called Active Shutter That could lift 3D films Out of the shitty old gutter The men put on bow ties The girls their best dress To attend the premiere Of the Polar Express And they gasped and they marvelled And offered their thanks For the gift to the world Of a 3D Tom Hanks The glasses were plastic the lens is liquid crystal The IMAX is sold out from Berlin to Bristol But it soon became clear It was just a device For cinema owners to charge double the price Goodbye 3D Joe The world is much flatter since you had to go They said you were just a gimmick But don't listen to them, they're curmudgeonly cynics And goodbye 3D Joe the world lacks dimension since you had to go But you left the door ajar And now they're releasing 20 more avatars No, I don't, I don't know about that one I think that's actually, um, that's actually bollocks Wow, you oh. pulled it out of the bag for the 100th episode Thanks, man Oof, That was impressive, Jerry uh, Because that's, it's like a pian, is that the word? Pian, yeah, Pian, yeah. To 3D film technology. Yeah. Well, Bowie absolutely adored films. He was a cineast. And he loved anything that would absorb him into the theatricality of the experience. Yeah. And if he was still alive today, God bless him, he'd be very excited about the forthcoming Avatar films. <laughs> <laughs> he likes, he absolutely adores little pert blue bums. I loved Avatar. I just love watching little pert blue bums hopping about from tree to tree. <laughs> What do they do with the tails when they plug it into the ears? <laughs> <laughs> what do they do? 
<laughs> Why do they do it? Because they're bonding with them. They're bonding. When they plug <laughs> them into the tails of the horses. No, they're the not horses. having sex. Yeah, they, they're just having a... a they're docking. They've got they a dock link. with them. Yeah. A mental link. Okay, well, it's not all about sex. <laughs> wow, that was amazing, man. Okay, do you want to hear what Goodbye 3D Joe actually sounds like? Yes. Not a million miles away. In the patchwork cloak of sequins and diamonds, red and blue. Threatenly Joe performed his harlequin show as dusk was due. So that's the sort of thing you're dealing with. Oh, not so that far off, was it? You, I think you got off. it. The voice, you just with an octave too low. He hasn't uh, found his sort of um, chord progression yet, has he? He's working in kind of ma- major chords. He's working in quite sort of tuneful, melodic chords. Yeah. He well, he was still coming out of his... Minor and that's right. Yes. Coming out of his Anthony Newley face. He's coming out of his Anthony... I'm just coming out of... <laughs> 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 David, are you ready? Oh, I'm just I'm just coming out of my Anthony Newley phase. I'll be two minutes. <laughs> I'm ready now. Uh, I'll write a Bowie song for the 200th. Wait, this is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Continue. <laughs> hey, welcome back, podcats. That was a little bit of Rosie you heard uh, growling. That was fun growling, happy growling. Sometimes she'll come into the room and get on the sofa while me and my wife are watching TV and she'll have a tea towel or something in her jaws and she will waggle it at us, hopefully. And uh, then we have to grab onto the other end of the tea towel and wrench it around. And that makes her happy. So that's what you heard then. Uh, Rosie! I don't know where she's gone. I heard her racing off and yipping. Well, it is Friday night. So that was Joe Cornish and Louis Theroux chatting with me there beforehand. Very grateful to them both for making the time, not just for this episode, but for so many other episodes before, and for continuing to be so loyal and supportive whenever I ask for their help. By the way, 
Joe wanted me to tell you that he is now on Instagram. Previously, Cornballs has been shy or reticent or aloof, however you want to read it, when it comes to social media. But um, earlier this year, he decided that he was going to take a plunge and join Instagram. His name on there is Mr. Joe Cornish, all one word, M-R-J-O-E-C-O-R-N-I-S-H. I had a look there earlier today and he's posted quite a few pictures from various parts of his illustrious career. A few bits and pieces from old Adam and Joe days. I pop up there once or twice. And there's on-set pictures from his films Attack the Block and The Kid Who Would Be King. Uh, Bits and pieces of him working with Edgar. A picture of him on the set of one of the Star Wars movies. Uh, sat in a Millennium Falcon, all sorts of things. The next episode of this podcast, 101, will be the Catcher in the Rye Book Club. Myself, Richard Ayawadi, and Sarah Pascoe talking about J.D. Salinger's classic novel in a pretty informal and unstructured way. But look, as it's uh, episode 100... Yeah, I'm just going to pretend that I've won some sort of award and say thank you to everyone who has helped and does help with this podcast, especially everyone who has recorded episodes with me, Uh, whether they've gone out yet or not. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for production support and Matt Lamont for additional editing on this episode. But uh, thanks also to Annika Meissen and Jack Bushell for their work on previous episodes. Thank you so much to Helen Green and Luke Drozd for the beautiful podcast and merchandise artwork that they've provided over the years. Thanks to Backstreet Merch, who do the podcast merchandise. There's a link in the description of this podcast, should you wish to go and visit and see what there is there. Thanks to Scroobius Pip, who helped me out very early on giving me advice about the podcast and being generally supportive. Thanks, Scroobius. Thanks very much to everyone at Acast. I really appreciate all their hard work, finding sponsors and uh, dealing with technical queries and all sorts of things. They're always helpful and friendly, and I'm very grateful to them. Thanks very much to Kevin and Toby at Really Quite Something Limited for designing and maintaining the Adam Buxton app. Thanks to various other friends, family and colleagues who helped me with the podcast. Mark and Zivi, Garth, Uncle Dave, James Sterling, Clive Tullow, Dan Hawkins, Becca, Emily and Chiggy. But I think the three people who I owe the greatest debt of gratitude to as far as the podcast goes are Rosie, of course. She isn't here right at this moment. She's off uh, yipping. But... um, Boy, I really love Rosie, and in many ways she's the reason that this podcast came together. When I used to uh, take her out for walks back in the early days and record voice notes and then think to myself, oh, well, maybe I could do a podcast. And she's transformed my life, Rosie, in all sorts of ways. So, thank you, Rose. And, of course, Seamus, he deserves another thank you. I suspect I can be a bit of a pain in the arse to work with. And Seamus 
is always nice about it, as well as being very good at his job. So thanks, Seamus. And speaking of people who have to put up with me being a bit of a pain in the ass, thank you very much to my wife. My wife? She probably won't listen to this. Uh, if she did, she would find it cringy, I think. But I'm very lucky to know her. And she does a great deal to enable me to uh, continue making this podcast. One final thank you to you. Yes, that's right. You listened right to the end of this. Good for you. If you keep listening, there's even a little extra final nugget of stupidity after like and subscribe. That's your reward for battling right the way through a whole episode of this nonsense. No, seriously, I appreciate it. And until next time, we share the same sonic space. Please take care. Did you know that I love you? Bye! So sleep with earplugs. Yep. And I also, did have earplugs. Did you? And yeah, it yeah. was still audible through Slice the through the earplugs. Mm. Actually, you know, when there's been noises outside the house, we when we lived in Harlesden, mm. so on occasion there'd be kids who were a bit more roughy-tufty, and you'd say, can you guys, can you please stop doing mm. what you're doing? Or you'd shout out the window, and it, did, it, went, it didn't go so well. Were they members of the roughy-tufty club? <laughs> <laughs> I think a couple of them might have been. Because you know that's, that's a prison gang. The Rufty Tufty mm. Club. Well, I know it's what the Tufty mm. Club's evolved into to keep itself, like, uh, up to speed with young because people. there's the Nazi lowriders, Aryan Nations, and the Rufty Tufty Club. Is that really Are true? Some way, they're, like the, they are, they're above the two. They're sort of the worst of the prison gangs because it's more like an organised crime gang. It's an, uh, they merged with the Sooty Club. <laughs> Thank God you brought it around to something funny. <laughs> <laughs> Not just a... Yeah, not a tra- with harrowing the sooty club, the sooty club, sooty and, as in yeah. sooty yeah. and sweep, sooty and sweep. A lot really? of it, it's weird. A lot of it comes out of children's TV for some reason. Is that really so? Is it? And and they're all a subset of yeah, the puffing swap. book club. <laughs>
Is that true? And you yeah. earn like blue Peter badges, like yeah. depending on who you've shanked. Yeah, but it's also a lot of the things have started as nice things have devolved. So like well. it used to be you help a lady. This is in America when force old ladies across the road. <laughs> they force them across the road when they don't want to. When they don't the want to go. Really? Yeah. Come on. You're coming out with <laughs> I don't us. care where you want to pick up your pension. <laughs> you silly bitch. <laughs> it's a shame about the bad language, isn't it? Because otherwise... Otherwise it would be nice. <laughs> it would be really good stuff. <laughs> <sighs>